You're listening to Million Dollar Podcast, the show where Thomas, that's me, and Mash, that's me, meet with exciting guests to come up with million dollar ideas to give away to you for for free. Thanks for tuning in for another Million Dollar Monday. In this week's jam-packed episode, we chat with Aiden Ekiele from L'Oreal to take on driving schools, learn about recycling, turn the telco industry upside down, solve city parking, and so much more. Let's dive in. If you could change something about the world, they have to be resilient. All right, today we got Aiden, my very good mate. Um, actually, agreed to come to the podcast with us as well. Um, other than that, Aiden's actually been my friend now. We met at Uniqlo, didn't we? Yeah, back was it 2013, 24. Oh, start of 2014. Yeah, same as our last guest, Vivian. Actually, we're all from the same bunch. We huh. all started from the same spot while you guys were studying. Uh, and your background is e-commerce, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, just commerce. Yeah. Uh, commerce. So finance, okay. economics. That's it. And now you're working at L'Oreal Finance, quite up high. Yeah. So I work in kind of the market strategy and insights team. So a lot of looking at consumer trends, market trends, anything that can really impact sales or profitability and how to kind of capitalize on that. So we're the f- first point of call. Oh, that's cool. How, how long have you been doing that for now? So... I just came off a grad program and so now I'm full-time into that role, but I've been doing the role since the middle of last year and started working full-time at the start of 2016. Oh, so, wow. so I hear a lot about these like grad programs in these big companies. How, how does that happen? Like I've never gotten far enough in a university degree to even consider that kind of stuff. Like how did you go about securing that in the first place? And then how did you find the experience of moving from being a grad to going into a full-time job with the same company? Because what we've heard is it's hard, it's hard to get those spots and especially for like <laughs> high-end jobs like L'Oreal Finance. Big companies. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, yeah. Yeah, well, it. I'll definitely say I agree with that. It's very, very difficult. There's a, a lot of rejection, so you have to be resilient. Um, usually in your final year of university, especially towards the start when the programs open, it's a lot of applications, cover letters, testing, you know, assessment centers. So there's several stages. Obviously, the companies want to make sure that they invest in the right people. Uh, with L'Oreal specifically, so we did a, a couple of friends and I who also have jobs there. We did a case competition and we made it to the national finals. And it was interesting because it was a marketing competition and the background of myself and the two others, uh, economics and finance. So they loved that we kind of had that collaboration between. Yeah, yeah. well, that we, we had strength in that field. And I think they kind of associated finance with the more accounting types and a bit more introverted. So they loved that we were able to kind of overlay the analytical side of things with um, kind of the brand image. Yeah. So we, that helped, especially because it's HR running the program. It's mm-hmm. a talent pathway. So case competitions are one of the best ways to obviously get in. I shouldn't say obviously, but one of the best ways to get into a company you desire and it makes it a lot easier for when you have your interviews. Cool. So standing out, being creative, thinking outside the box is what you think would have landed you that role in the first place. Absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, Big shout out to everyone that's uh, had a look at our contest page already. Of course, we've got a competition running uh, for Million Dollar Podcast where people can win a phone. So big shout out to Amit, who's our Optus business partner, um, who's getting that off the ground. So same again, be creative, exercise your creativity and put yourself out there. You said that rejection was a part and parcel of, of getting a grad position. Yeah, I would... I would struggle to find anyone that got the first job that they applied for or didn't get rejected from at least several places. Absolutely. Maybe right. the top, top, top tier, but most people get rejected probably at least a dozen times at the very least. Do you reckon most like most of those students, once they get the first no, they give up? Is uh, that the problem as well? The last episode we had Vivian on and we actually yeah. talked about how to handle rejection and how it's actually a positive thing, how you can actually turn it into a positive thing. It is definitely disheartening, especially getting the automated email saying, unfortunately, high caliber um, applicants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you just study for five years or four years well, nonstop the, and this is what you get? Writing the cover letters takes the most time, doing all the testing, you know, especially you start getting a bit emotionally invested at times. And I can see why it's very easy to uh, fall out. And to, just- yeah, especially if it happens constantly and constantly and you kind of go months without 
getting anywhere further can be disheartening. So I understand that. But what kept you going then? Could we say your partner, Stacey? Shout out to (laughs) Stacey. A little bit of both. So she was in the same position. She was applying. She was finally European at the same time I was. We were both going through the same process. So we both took turns um, supporting each other, you know, consoling and trying to uplift each other's moods and trying to bounce some good ideas off each other. Uh, For Stace, you know, especially. So I was lucky I probably got it in April of 2015, my final year. So I got to do my final semester um, knowing that I'd secured a job. But for Stace, it wasn't as easy, especially in her field. So she's in, she's in environmental consulting. Oh, okay. Cool. And there's, it's, there's a lot of people applying and there's very limited spots um, as it stands. And she went the whole year without actually getting anything. So she had a few interviews. So she actually went, she graduated and didn't have a job lined up immediately. So it was especially tough for her and especially knowing I'd gone eight months before that and I had a job and I was set and she was a bit... But she know, never came losing up. Heart. No, she kept going and, um, you know, family was a big support uh, to her as well and eventually she got it and now she's in a job she absolutely loves and that's two years later. You see, guys, awesome. never give up. Never give up. You've got to be ready to take rejection, which I just wanted to circle back to the rejection challenge that uh, Vivian set up for us in the last episode. Uh, I'll give, fill you in as well, Aiden. Basically, Vivian was saying that go out and get rejected. Get used to, get accustomed to the idea of being rejected because you never know what might happen when you actually ask for things that you want. And I actually tried this while I was riding around for a ride sharing service. Um, I had a passenger with me and I got into the habit of asking them, one, what can you teach me before this ride is over? But then also with a few of them, I got cheeky and I actually asked one of them, hey, do you mind? I'm actually starving if while during this fair, I went the Macca's drive through And a couple of people were like, no, sorry, I'm in a bit of a rush or it's at the end of the night, I want to get home. That's totally cool. I got rejected. I don't mind it. It was an unreasonable ask. But I shit you not, one of them actually said, oh, dude, that's a great idea. I'm hungry as well. I'll tell you what, I'll shout you your Maccas. So I had it flipped around. (laughs) All I asked was, do you mind if I drive through Maccas and it might cost them maybe a dollar or $2 more in their Uber fare? Turns out they want to shout me Maccas and they love the idea. And we shared chicken nuggets and, and sang along to like Kesha the rest of the Was it ride Saturday morning. night at 2 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, it very much was. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was a, one hell of an experience. So I think definitely your experience, Stacey's experience of just persevering through rejection is such a powerful story as well. Um, but having that support network amongst each other um, to be able to kind of lift each other up. So that's, that's an awesome, I really like that story. And um, for anyone out there that's listening, you know, again, just be fearless. Just go out there and, and ask for the big things because you're going to end up in a job that you love. You're going to end up in the industry that um, doing, you know, what you're passionate about. But uh, guys, absolutely hit us up. Let us know your stories, how your rejection stories are going, what ridiculous things you've asked of people, like Mash here has asked people to take him through or him to drive people through Macca's driveway while they're actually driving them home, yeah. <laughs> which is insane. I think it might, it might hurt your NPS score, net promoter <laughs> score as well, but... Yeah, he went and did it. Yeah, I should actually start doing it as well. I haven't actually started it yet, but yeah. The rejection challenge. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and it's, just go out, out and just ask ridiculous things as well and yeah. just prepare yourself for the no. If, if, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'm excited to see If you're expecting goes. no, you can't be further disappointed. Whereas, because you set the bar that low, you're ready for no. Then the moment it's anything not no, you're on the hook. You're ready. Like something cool is about to happen. And something cool did happen. I really bonded with that person. Shout out to Justin. I uh, hope you're listening, mate. But, um, but, but that's, that's exactly it. So I want to come to uh, what you were talking about. You touched on there um, with the environment, with what Stacey's doing. And just before when we were warming up, you chatted that if you could change something about the world, and this is something we'd like to ask all of our guests, given unlimited resources, what would you work on to make better in the world? And you've got millions of people following you every single day. What would you do? I'd definitely say the environment's, um, you know, something that's prominent to a lot of people in terms of awareness and, you know, as hippie as it sounds, you know, we've only got one earth, we don't really get another chance. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, in the 21st century, people are becoming more and more open to change and their uh, actions and how they impact the environment and also those around them. I think in terms of, you know, energy and water, people are becoming more and more aware how different um, resources can negatively affect the, 
uh, affect the environment, things like coal, power, things like that, and how renewable energy fits in. I think there's definitely a bigger opportunity for things like waste. So living with an environmental consultant, I have to almost live and breathe it, but I'm definitely open to it. And it's amazing how many things I used to think of the norm and apparently I could have been doing better, but I'm more than open to change. I think a lot of people are willing to make the effort and want to make the effort, but um, just need a bit more education to be a bit better. That's it. I think if I had that sort of platform and that outreach, I would use that position to kind of promote that sustainability. And let people know what's actually going on. And yeah, what actually well, people do. are doing a good job and trying, you know, trying really hard. And it's just about, I guess, converting a bit more. And that's, that's like my household right now as well. Me and my roommate, we've actually had back-to-back arguments, what to recycle and what not to recycle. <laughs> Um, and, and we have no idea and we tried to look it up and there's all kinds of misleading information on the, on the Google websites as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that comes down to awareness, I reckon. Mm. If, if you could work on one, if you could generate one particular project or one particular area of the environment, where would you like to um, see something like that happen? I think waste is probably my first point of call. Um, more sustainable packaging like for example all products so things like plastic bags and coffee cups two of the biggest um uses of plastic or cardboard but you know can't be recycled properly how how, how would you get it out there though first thing i'm thinking is imagine having a smart bin the moment you put it in the recycling (laughs) it goes red it's like nope this is not this is no Mm. good we don't need this right now uh go get, get us something else like that would be i think it'd just be more around um well you you look at the rise of keep cups and there's definitely a market for you know reusable coffee cups at the same time not everyone can always bring that but i mean for example the reason most coffee cups can't be recycled is just specifically due to a plastic lining and i'm sure there's already a lot of work being done but Mm. you know finding a way that people can enjoy their their daily coffee or you know three four five however many they want in a day but not have to worry about the environmental impact i mean they can just throw in a recycle bin and know that Mm. It's been taken care of. Yeah, pretty exactly. Much, yeah. yeah, I guess I guess that's that difference, right? So what you're saying is there's a bin that has the technology to sort it out for you. So perhaps when you put it in, it's got four or five collection trays underneath, collection bins, and it might go, okay, this is this type of plastic. It goes into this type of collection bin. But what you're saying is why not just have one that's you know the most biodegradable, the most sustainable, recyclable um, cup in the first place? Yeah, it could. To be honest, probably a combination of both, two-pronged mm. approach. Mm. I mean, at the same time, it could be perfectly recyclable, but if people don't know what to recycle and what not to, then it's all, all for nothing in a sense. So well, that's both thing, can yeah. go hand in hand. Mm. And I feel like the smart bin, the idea, why, would I, why did I bring it up is it would actually teach me and like what to oh, do yeah. later on. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and I have no idea. Right now, I'm just trying to do my best I can. Like, like yeah. you said, everyone's open to it. Like five years ago... I had no idea, like I, coming from Estonia as well, Soviet mm-hmm. background, as far as I remember, I don't think we have recycled bins at all. Oh, yeah. Um, that being said, coming here and seeing different, there's two bins in front of my house and just, I, it, it was a really weird concept for me. And I've never, no one has ever educated me in of any way. I've just seen other people do it. So I kind of try to do the same thing without even knowing what impact or what change am I making. Yeah. So it still comes down to the awareness, definitely. Mm. What about, a, what about an app that allows you to take a photo of something and based on other photos of that and people are constantly able to vote on the thing as well, can I recycle this, yes or no? And you just get this constant feedback loop and then it just keeps feeding into a library of sorts. So you kind of like Google image searching, like reverse searching, it'll just go, okay, well, that's this type of coffee cup. There's no labeling on the underneath and there's the ridging is like this. So that tells it, you know, this, that and the other it'll start using these little cues because now these things are wicked, like Mm -hmm. crazy, crazy advanced cameras. So it can go into that depth and and recognize what the cup is made of to a certain extent and then tell you yes or no, it can be recycled or even in more detail. Like what's the reason for no or what's the reason for yes? That's what I'm more interested about as well. Yeah, true. Because it does come down to the education element because ultimately you don't want to have to use an app like that. You should just be able to walk up to the right bin, put your rubbish into the right spot and then be able to do that each time. But in this fast changing world, there's always gonna be new items, new products, new 
recyclable or non-recyclable coffee cups or whatnot. So I would always need that, I reckon. Even if I feel like I'm fully educated, I still not, might not be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we've got things like augmented reality already where they can definitely take advantage of that. And it's yeah. probably heading towards a stage, if not already, where things like that could probably be done. You know what the other element in there is, is sometimes I don't know how far away the nearest recycling bin might be. So I might just go, well, I'm not going to carry this thing that I know can be recycled. I'm going to chuck it in here. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put it into the bin. What if part of that app was actually just crowdsourced? Okay, well, you're actually only 37 meters away just around the corner and there's a recycle bin there in the city or something like that as well. So you could have that element incorporated in. But of course, this is the million dollar podcast. How does this... I've already got one idea brewing for how, how we can start turning something like that into money. So as an app developer, who's... I think one stakeholder is definitely saving money in this scenario, and that's the recycling plants. You, you mentioned earlier that the uh, plants themselves have to undergo a whole extra process of sorting out things that can't be recycled anymore. And that's probably cost effective for them to have an app that they can you know, funnel some money into. Um, so the app developers can potentially partner with them, get some kind of an incentive to get something like that going in the first place. Yeah, well, um, for example, things like, in a, corporate, in a corporate sense, uh, it's more expensive to um, put waste through general waste rather than recycling. So it's in uh, a company or a building's best interest to recycle as much as possible and to avoid um, putting recyclable pro- products into general waste. So it's definitely mm-hmm. cheaper. There's more incentives. I'm sure there's government subsidies as well. Yep. I mean, there's definitely a lot of money in in the sense that, you know, if you're saving or someone's saving, that's money that can be turned to a profit somewhere else. Well, all right. So what do you think, Million Dollar Community? If you're out there listening, do you know of any incentives, any apps like that that already exist? Are there any government grants for initiatives like this? I know, generally speaking, the Victorian government tends to get around any kind of initiatives around the environment, whether it's tree planting um, and, and those kinds of incentives definitely exist. So how would you go about securing funding for an application that encouraged people to recycle, educated them around it. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. I know Aiden definitely would as well. Um, and I'm sure he'll be able to pass them on to Stacey <laughs> too in, in her role as an environmental consultant. Who can so, actually possibly make that change happen. <laughs> that's it. So it is all about sort of reaching out to networks. And, and you never know by firing off a tweet to us, by commenting on one of our posts on Facebook, you might then get in touch with someone who's working in that field and, um, and, be, and able to enact some of that change. So if you are passionate about the environment, uh, do jump onto our social media, jump onto our website, that's millionpodcast.com, and, um, and let us know how, how you can get around this uh, recycling app. So Aiden, we showed you some of our own ideas just before of what we're working on, but you kind of blew it all out of the water. I think one of the ones we started on was an idea for an app that helps fix your golf swing, which to be honest is a bit of a niche market. Uh, you took that in a totally different direction. You want to help L-plate drivers, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, so the if you want to recap the idea for the golf one. Uh, the golf, golf swing app is basically just uh, if you're a smartwatch, if you're one of those smartwatch people, which I totally am, uh, <laughs> it's something that'll buzz and vibrate and tell you when you're at the right point and if you're going fast enough. But as I said, I don't think there's a lot of people out there listening to this that play golf as often as... Even I don't I, I don't play golf all that often as well. It's just something that came to me. But uh, but how do you how do you take that and and turn it into something for learner drivers? So I'm a learner driver. Say <laughs> to me or tell me your idea. Well, the whole uh, kind of concept of the tracking the motion and the speed and the direction, things like that, it can definitely be helped to uh, use uh, help a learner driver. So for example, it could be a beeping or a vibrating. For example, if you're taking a, a turn too fast, it can measure tension, something like that. Or if you're accelerating or braking too hard, there can be awareness of that and help people find the right balance. So it's like an app on my phone or is it on a, in this, on the screen or a, what are we talking about here? Or is be, it a device in the car itself? That I think it would be a device. Yeah. And I think you'd probably have an app to see how you're tracking and see kind of pinpoints and um, moments in time where you made an error and then it helps the instructor as well to correct you. Mm. Obviously, it doesn't replace an instructor, but it's definitely a tool. I mean, you look at learner drivers, most of the their first instructors are probably their parents. You know, they're not necessarily qualified teachers, but they've just got a lot of driving experience. And, you know, if this could be something that helps them convey their ideas or points better 
And one thing I came across when I started doing my license now with an actual instructor was people like, for example, Nash, you've been driving for 10 years now, but there are, like you said, just some parents who've been driving for 30, 40 years. They've fully forgotten what the actual rules are or how to actually do the proper motion turn or whatnot. So when I, once I sat down with an actual instructor, I was driving like Nash drives <laughs> and, and I got told off and I almost got thrown out of the car because it wasn't safe apparently. <laughs> Um, that being said, Mash is an amazing driver, so I'm not sure what he was talking about, but I would like that device so I could prove my instructor wrong. <laughs> sure, yeah, there's, there's, for example, there's USB ports and there's the, the old cigarette lighter ports as well that you can use for power. I'm sure there could be a way to tap into the car potentially, maybe for the more recent or the future cars and kind of get performance from the car to see if that actually matches what is happening well yeah because i guess these days you've got really small really sensitive like accelerometers gyrometers that, that's what you'd use to detect braking and things i know i know my uber app actually tells me how smoothly i'm braking and how smoothly i'm accelerating just based on what my phone does and it actually tells me off if i'm moving my phone around too much during rides um and i you know if my phone's able to do that surely we can take that technology put it into a smaller gadget that perhaps it's mounted on the windshield and even tells you your distance from the car in front of you. You might even sort of see how much, how well you're staying in between lanes. So at the end of it, it might be paired up with your phone and it just gives you a readout and says, you know, you did these turns wrong. Here's a beep. Here's a light to say you're too close, too far from the car in front of you. Ideally, there's no such thing as too far from the car in front of you. <laughs> so in, in that respect, do you, do you see a device like that able to be easily rolled out? Um, to learner families uh, and parents who are getting their children to start learning to drive? Yeah, I believe so. I think um, a lot of parents, especially when they're first teaching their child, would, would need support or tools that can help them. I mean, I said before, they're not experienced instructors. They've probably never taught someone to drive a car before. Mm. I mean, they probably know all the basics kind of the, they know how to do it but articulating it clearly to someone who's never done it before is a whole nother story mm. i mean how do you tell someone oh you took a corner too fast you need to do xyz but clearly and concisely and not at the same time punishing the student uh, and making them feel bad i mean a device a quick beep or a vibration might be like just yeah, you did something little reminder like oh okay need to slow down here i'm getting too close to the car in front I mean, I remember one of my most vivid driving memories was the first time I ever drove in the wet and I had less than um, 10 hours of driving experience. And I still remember, still remember it vividly to this day. It was the worst driving um, session I'd ever had in my life. I remember my dad just yelling at me, turning into torrential rain. I was on the Hume Highway going 100Ks in the wet, <laughs> yelling at me to slow down. And I just think, you know... If I'd had something then, especially in the wet, which I'd never experienced before, and I'm a new, brand new driver, you know, my dad obviously knows, oh, slow down, but I don't, the distance. And by the time, you know, someone says it to you, there's another second or two gone. And you think about reaction times and how important it is when you're driving at fast speeds. Mm -hmm. Something that can be done sooner or that picks up something that your parents wouldn't, wouldn't have necessarily said. Like the weather conditions and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, can definitely help. Something I want to start doing as well is, okay, we've got the basic version of the app, of the technology. What about the deluxe version? What, what else can it include? What are some extra six-star, seven-star features? One that comes to mind is, what if you can preload in the driving routes for your, um, for your final test? And so it'll tell you, okay, now you, up ahead you need to make a left turn or... Now you need to do a three-point turn and it'll tell you all those things as you're doing it. So it, it reduces the need to have an instructor who's aware of that knowledge because the GPS can take you the same ways. But now it'll give you all those prompts and everything along the way. So whether you buy the one that comes preloaded or it just comes with an app upgrade that you can unlock for $3.99 or something like that. I like that idea more. Well, yeah, You can unlock it yeah, later yeah. on. Yeah, uh, it's um, in-app purchases, by the way, I think are pretty much the future in. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you give something really good for free and then you go to that next level. Okay, cool. Well, of course, I'm going to pay for a premium version of that. And, and also just to talk about the like six, five star. Yeah. Another thing about it is, so if, if it gives me the routes of what the exam is going to be, the final test or whatnot, but not sometimes wasting time. Like, for example, I got to a point where I did like two or three lessons a week and I kept doing the same things that I felt like I was already good at. But 
there was a three-point turn or there was um, uh, in the middle of the night or uh, in a rainy day driving. I wanted to try those things. So I wanted to have an app that actually tells me, look, this is, this is something you do really well already. Don't waste your time on it anymore. Yeah. And yeah. actually just focus on, uh, focus on these sort of things. And it just gives me the feedback on, on that as well. And while doing the, let's say, uh, doing the exam or final test uh, route, Whatever you do wrong there, it's going to give you later on like a feedback. Okay, you, you did everything fine except the three-point turn. Just go and practice that a little bit more and come and do this test again, and then you should be sweet. Yeah, I'm sure you could have like an aggregated score, especially over time when, it, when you've had a few sessions and then can kind of try pinpoint some of your weaknesses compared to others. But going back to Mash's point about the, um, the route and especially paying for an upgrade, I think that's definitely a good option. I think you know, most of the time people get driving instructors are either right at the beginning when they're first learning how to drive or in my personal experience, most of them are when they're about to actually take the test and just want to make sure that there's no glaring errors. And a, a big part of it as well is getting a bit of a hint and knowing the route. Yeah. And I mean, a driving instructor in Melbourne works out to be about a dollar a minute and for a minimum about 60, 60 minute session and usually you have a couple. So I mean, paying three, four, five bucks extra for an app that'll already tell you the you, route yeah. when you're already confident you know how to drive. I mean, you know, there you go. That's a night out. Yeah. yeah, wow. That's that's a pretty huge difference. So let's say three hours with an instructor is $180, sort of as a minim, minimum outlay. Let's say this whole device along with the app upgrade and everything sets you back $200. That's all the lessons, not just three. That's every lesson you need plus like where we're building this app, we don't really mind if you then turn around and put that device up on Gumtree because you're not going to need it anymore. Turn around, resell it, have your own internal sort of back market or whatever for the app as well for the technology, right? Like that's the one with oh, all yeah. the bells yeah, and whistles. Yeah, sure. But I'll, I'll it's probably got custom spend, ringtones, yeah. Yeah, I've already probably spent like 500, 600 bucks on lessons already. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah wow. Right. Yes. Jeez. So I've gone way over budget. But I know how to drive now. I'm just going to go and do the test, I reckon. But I want to, like you said, I'm at the point where... I want to know exactly what the what the route is and mm. and what are the little things that I need to fix on. So that's why I'm just going to be waiting for the app. And once the app comes out, I'll go for the final test. I think this this little piece of technology, this gadget that you've invented here, Aiden, I think that's probably going to be a million dollar idea to to take to learner drivers and put driving schools out of business. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We're here to disrupt the driving <laughs> school industry. Watch out. You've reached the halfway point of this week's episode. There's plenty more million dollar ideas to come, but if you want to pause, we'd love it if you go and like the Facebook page in the meantime. And now, back to the ideas. Let's get on to our next idea. Uh, you actually brought it up, Aiden, as well, was a market for leftover data on your phone and having a platform where you can share your data that you won't be using on your mobiles. What if there was a platform that I can just put a little post up Hey, you can buy five gigabytes off me for, let's say, half a price. Like uh, normally you pay $10. I think the standard right now in Australia is $10 per gig. But what if I can sell it for $3, $4? And you get it like this. So MASH, you had an idea how this would possibly work because I don't think the network providers would actually get in, in on it mm. because that literally neglects their data packs and data plans. Well, actually, I'll hand over to you first, Aiden, because I know this is your baby. This is something that you've been tossing around in your head for a while. I've, we're just playing around with it today, but what, what would you like to see happen in that space? Yeah, so the main idea was like a buy and sell platform similar to how you trade shares. So... For example, you'll put up a, a quantity of data. So you might say, oh, looking to sell two gigs of data at $4. And someone, you know, could be willing to pay more depending on, um, you know, how much time they've got left on their plan. So it's, you know, people uh, putting up offers at different prices, different quantities and people obviously bidding. So and then it would just be a platform that matches. I, I do agree with you. I've always been thinking about it. Like, what can I do with this? Like, I'm not going to... You can't just go and use YouTube and just use it. It's, it's just point, waste of time. It's waste of everything. So I, I, I would hate to do that. But selling your data, leftover data, I do like the idea. For example, for buying and selling stocks, like just on a basic platform, you can, you know, you specify a quantity, you can specify a price that you want to buy or sell at. But if you can't be bothered setting a price, you can just do the market rate, which is just like a, a default sort of... Which is like, no, it's more like a, an algorithm that will just um, pick the price based on 
what the supply and demand would be at that given time. So, I mean, it takes the guesswork out of it. You could just say, oh, I'm offering up two gigs of data. I don't really care how much I get from it. I'm going to get something. It's not going to be 10 cents. So I'm like, oh, stuff I can't be bothered. I don't have enough time, but I know I want to get rid of it and it'll just take I can you, just do it by click it takes you 10, 15 seconds. That's tops. it. So I will definitely get around that. Now, in terms of the how, in terms of the implementation, I've got two ideas that are sort of bubbling away. One of them would be basically like downloading a client. Now, this is... This is one of the much riskier ones and probably a lot more technical. But if you could download a client on your phone that allows someone's mobile data connection to happen through yours and all the downloading downstream to happen through their phone mirrored onto you. So it's not that your phone isn't downloading. It's that your telco thinks someone else's phone is downloading that data. And it's capped per two gigabytes, for example. So what it would do is it would shift where the download happens. So for anyone out there that's in that tech space that knows how to uh, divert those kinds of uh, packet transfers, um, this is the kind of thing that you might be interested in looking into. So what you said, that was the first technical one. Yep. I'm thinking about the battery usage on your phone if yeah. I have the client. So yep. obviously we would have to, I would have to be maybe later in the future once our phones are better and better. Mm -hmm. That being said, what was your second solution? The second solution is, I don't know if you folks know this, but it's getting easier and easier relatively speaking, to set up your own tiny, weeny, itty bitty mobile network. So there are actually providers and there are wholesalers out there willing to give you sort of free run to do what you want to do. If you're one of those people just starting up a telco or if you're one of the big telcos out there having a listen to this, you could actually organize that you know, exchange on your own network. So you send out a message or you can simply as a customer of that network opt in and, and trade credits in advance. So you can say that out of my 30 gigabytes, I know I'm definitely not going to use five. Please give me a, a credit on my next month's bill to that effect. And what you're doing is you're forfeiting five gigabytes on the exchange back to your telco provider. The main reason telco providers will charge more is because it increases their traffic. At the moment, it's simply that Australia's networks aren't capable of handling terabytes of data transfer on mobile networks at the moment. So if you tell your telco provider, hey, I'm actually going to use less than what you've given me, that gives them an incentive to give you a credit while giving more data somewhere, somewhere else. And as a telco provider, that allows you to make that money in the, in the first place. And so especially with new telcos starting up, having that kind of a flexible exchange rate for your customers would be a huge added incentive. And I know I'd definitely make use of that. In a month where I know I'm going to use more data because my internet is down, because a different telco for my home internet has, has ruined something, um, I'd definitely be coming to you and saying, hey, look, I need 10 extra gigs next month, but there's no way in hell that I'm paying $100 for it. Or even say 50, how's about we cut a deal at 35 and I can buy that data off you because you're getting it from some other um, customer somewhere else. So it's pretty much recycling your data now. I like that. Environmentalism in <laughs> mobile data. In, absolutely. Recycle yeah. always. What do you think about that, Aiden? Uh, yeah, that was... Will that go uh, a long you know, way to solving your data troubles? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great hearing the kind of technical expertise as well uh, and hearing the kind of customer experiences you've had overlaid into that. You know, I just had the idea of the buy and sell side, which I have from a finance background um, and kind of taking a cut through potentially a small brokerage fee. But, you know, hearing, hearing it evolve in the last, well, it was like 15, 10, 15 minutes, you know, it's really impressive and exciting. I honestly think this will happen. There will be a platform where people are going to be selling data and even much more. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but there's going to be a lot of different things, I think, implemented into that as well. What will be next thing? What's going to be next thing after data for our mobiles? Whether people who listen to this will do it with us or without us, uh, we'd absolutely like to hear what you think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I reckon we can move on to the next one. Yeah. What else were we talking about? Well, Aiden, you started this for us. Do you ever have any trouble? I don't know if anyone listening might have this problem where it's very difficult to find a car park in the city. Is that, has that ever been an issue for oh, you? Oh, it's a pet peeve. Again, <laughs> a nice first world problem coming from a millennial, but you know, you spend um, several minutes just circling around potentially the same block waiting for someone to just pull out and just luckily happen to be, be there at the right time and just slot in. Don't they already have those lights above their car parks that are green or That's uh, That's red? like for shopping centers, which is also really, really handy. It helps you 
spot it from a mile away, so that takes okay. it out of the problem. And so you're shopping centers in the city, but for, streets. for example, more yeah, for the CBD is a really good example, or just high density traffic areas, a really good example as well. Um, just a way to kind of identify any potential spots or lower density side streets, for example, a really good avenue. Like for example, Chapel Street in South Yarra Pran, uh, you know, really big um, hotspot for uh, kind of restaurants, bars, things like that. A lot of people driving in and out, scouring the area for parks. There's so many side streets around there. Finding a way to leverage kind of that information could be profitable as well. Now, I'm not a driver, so I don't, I'm still on my L's. Like we talked about before, I, I would like the app that will teach me how to drive. But that being said, driving around with MASH, driving around with you, one thing I like, I don't really get in on how we're going to find a parking spot because I'm going to be on my phone while you drive. But one thing I've seen is every time we drive, not, the driver or me or none of us have any idea how long we can uh, park here. So having something implemented into the app as well that's going to tell you information exactly, oh, you can be here for three hours or two hours. So that kind of narrows it down where you're going to park or where you're going to waste time or, or save time as well, I feel like. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely I agree with that. So... For example, something I thought of a while back to incorporate into this app is once you hop out, one, it can be hard to actually find those signs, but generally in the city, they're pretty good with them. The problem isn't finding the sign in the city, it's interpreting what those hieroglyphics actually mean. Absolutely. What I would love to be able to do is have just something where you take a photo within the app and then based on the current time and day and all that kind of information, the photo will then decode all that information and go, you have exactly two hours now, you have three hours, you shouldn't be stopped here. And it gives you a straightaway readout of that. And then plus it could probably just start a timer in the exactly app for right. you as so well. So you press play, yeah, you already yeah. started it, yeah. So the moment you take the photo, the app assumes, yep, great, you're happy parking here, it's a 2P zone, and um, I'll buzz you 20 minutes before your time is up. And then obviously once it detects that it's back in the car, it'll just cancel the timer and things like that as well. But, um, but coming back to the, the red and green lights above the, above the zone, like having a good visual representation like that, I think would be really cool. Um, obviously, the main difficulty is in the city, there's no centralized team or, or management that's you know, put pressure pads in every spot. But, um, but one, uh, one idea I'm kind of kicking around is what if you could, what if the app integrated with sort of open CCTV footage that's around in the city? I don't know if you guys know this, it's actually pretty easy to find um, open uh, cameras throughout the world and, and then you can sort of hone in based on locale, based on IP address. So restaurant owners and cafe and bar and whatever that, that have got cameras pointed outside their strips, it'd be easy to kind of cross-reference and crowdsource that information to say, these two car park spots outside this cafe, they've been empty all day. So that'll pop up that area as being a green zone on the app, for example. And so you know that if I drive there, it's very likely I'll find a park. And, and at least that's in the test and pilot phase where you've got something like that rolling out. But um, what do you think, how else could you kind of get that information about which car parking areas are low density, high density, where's it busy, where's it empty right now? You could have things like um, kind of a sensor built into the ground or the curb, for example. Like for example, if something's obstructing that space, you know it's oh, occupied. Yeah. So that could be a quick and cheap solution compared to pressure plates, mm -hmm. as well as leveraging off the fact that not all areas would have CCTV, even though for a high density area, you'd probably expect it. And I mean, in terms of figuring out if it's high density or low density, you could probably just aggregate um, pretty much the proportion of occupied spots and uh, empty spots and any potential hotspots or areas that are free in a high density zone. So you're talking about on a map on your phone then that shows this is a green zone, this is a yellow zone, this is a definitely red zone, it's gonna be Russell Exhibition Street over onto Spring Street, I can park that direction. Or no, no, that's crazy red hot right now, but the northwestern corner As I'm driving in, I green. Look that's at the map and it says green on the eastern side of so the city. So that's, that's a place that you can uh, definitely gather that data from. So there's you know a bit of a recommendation for you out there as well. Where and how do you reckon the money factors into this? If at all, how, how do we turn this into a million dollars? Would you start a new new brand new app or do you want to sell it to like a google or waze or what are you thinking about that 
Well, I think that's the thing is is because Waze Waze has already made it a pretty long way in terms of generating a huge user base, gathering all that data, giving that data back to users to engage with, manipulate, and and act on the basis of. And Waze also does like um, speed traps and and mm-hmm. and what what is it? Uh, the camera, uh, the red light cameras and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's all crowdsourced, by the way. They haven't. They haven't gone and done any of that research themselves. They haven't needed to. They've just created a really easy to use platform. And over time, people have nudged the information in the right direction. So that crowdsourced element is really powerful. So the question is, do you try and take down Waze, which by the way is a free app. I've never paid for it. (laughs) I've never had to. How do you combat a free app with something that's going to cost money to make yourself money when there are so many users already on that one? I think I think this would be a feature you'd want to develop and try and sell to Waze to have as a value Absolutely. add for yeah, themselves. I agree with that as well, yeah. yeah I was going to say, the, probably the main way in terms of um, generating revenue would be probably selling the information or using it to consult potentially with uh, organizations that could use it. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you could do work with council state government or private sector as well things like that you know if you if you're the only one that has this sort of information you know you're the expert in that field and usually experts consult or provide information or insights absolutely and the cctvs let's say there is a like you said there's a saint kilda spot where there's so many side streets that no one knows about that you can go and park in and there's so many restaurants and stuff there. So those restaurants would obviously give that the information up so that peop- more people come to that their way yeah. as well. Yeah. So that's how I would attack it, I reckon. Yeah, so you could potentially petition restaurants, cafes, and busy strips. Hey, can we just get access to your camera feed? We only need the front camera, and then that helps us get better eyes on parking situation, traffic situation, live updates. And then for that, we might chuck a little banner in the bottom Absolutely. Say, oh, okay, cool. Well, you're looking to park around here. There's this great cafe. They do a great coffee. Plus, you as one of our customers, as one of our app users, can get a two-for-one coffee deal or something like that. It doesn't even have to waste your time out. It can be while you take a photo of the decoding the whatever the sign oh, yeah. is. Yep. While it's reloading that, it's just going to pop up for two seconds. Oh, there's a pizza bar here. Did you know about it? They have a special right now. Mm. Yeah, That's there it. you go. You could partner with you know, things like Zomato and then have a thing mm. that feeds in, provide some recommendations. You, know, yep. you enter a reason that you'll going to the area could just say oh this is happens this area is really good for parking within 100 meters there's three italian restaurants with these hi- with these high ratings mm. and it's crazy time saving and it just creates a positive experience going to the city and having dinner or a date night or whatever yeah i agree when you look at a lot of the apps now that are making significant dollars a lot of them are around either cutting out the middleman um, and making it centralized for your phone or just, yeah, convenience and time. Mm-hmm. So I think this will definitely increase convenience. It'll definitely save you time knowing which end of the city to park in. Or if it's 6 p.m. and the city's already crazy red on a Saturday night, you go, darling, I think we should get ready a little bit sooner and, and try and catch a tram in and, um, and we can have date night that way. Absolutely. Yeah, that helps, me, ma- helps you make decisions like that as well, yeah. Mm. So yeah, once it starts forecasting and everything as well. All right, we could end up talking about that one, I think, for a while, but yeah. we'll, we'll hand over to the community. So if you're listening to this and you like the sound of that one, jump on, tell us. I mean, if you think it's total bogus or something like this already exists, please let us know as well. Um, I don't know about you, Aiden. I'm, I'm happy with constructive feedback. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely open to it. Yeah. So, um, so we'd love to hear your thoughts as well if you're uh, having a listen to this, perhaps even while you're driving. Uh, if, you're, if you're struggling to find a park right now while you're listening to me say this, I would love to... I'd love for you to get out, take a photo of your hieroglyphics near you and, uh, and send that through to us on Instagram. Uh, just tag us in the post um, and hashtag parking hieroglyphics. So that brings us pretty much towards the end of our show, but not before we get on to my, pers- my favorite segment. Five word frenzy. Uh, so if you're listening for the first time, what we're going to be doing is I'm just going to head on over to my trusty computer here and uh, typing in the awesomely descriptive URL randomwordgenerator.com. Uh, you can see on the video that this is all actually happening very live. Uh, and I'm going to type in five. So generate five random words. And just like that, we've got five random words. And what we're going to do is we're going to brainstorm around these words and see what we can come up with, whether it's a new invention, a new app, a new system, a new way to apply for jobs or drive a car and, um, and see what we get. So the words for today, we've got edge, fuss, verdict, Cupboard, radical. Our words for today are edge, 
Fuss, verdict, cupboard, radical. I'll uh, let the gears start turning over in your brains, boys, and see what we can come up with. I think the first thing my mind goes to is like storage solutions and just really clever things. Oh, yeah? And I know there's been a lot of work done recently, especially on... Um, uh, what's the word? Transformable furniture or storage, especially in smaller apartments. You know, you can turn like a, I don't know, like a cupboard type thing. Oh, not a cupboard, sorry. Like a shelf into like a table or something ridiculous like that. So multifunctional, like yeah, yeah. multifunctional um, yeah. furniture use. And that's kind of where my mind went. Yeah. I think I've seen that what you're talking about. It's like um, you can either have these sort of shelves that are stacked, but if you like push it, it'll become flat and all the shelves actually slate yeah. nearly neatly with each other or like Jake Peralta from Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine-Nine likes to say stuff can be two things <laughs> <laughs> so that, that can be the mission statement for them yeah. uh, Thomas any Game of Thrones references jumping out at you from, from this one absolutely nothing which oh, I'm wow. really happy about actually <laughs> another so, thing my car yeah. sorry yeah. to cut you no, off yeah, Mash, um, yeah. my mind went to I don't know I just saw Edge cupboard and fast I just thought of parenting and then just you know, not wanting your small children running around to an edge and cracking their head open. Another, don't know why I'm having yet, yeah, don't have kids. Yeah. Hopefully not too soon, but that's a concern that my mind went to too. Yeah. No, absolutely. So there's like edge protectors, um, those kind of foam things that Could go be, on. Or, or general even if around. they don't look so good, it's something that uh, some pieces of storage or furniture that kind of incorporate smooth edges mm. or rounded curves or anything that kind of mitigates any risk yeah or builds like an electrical field around itself <laughs> like a vortex sort of thing yeah i like that that that's a radical idea yeah <laughs> so all right so check this out it's not it's not my finest moment but what about rate my cupboard where you can get the verdict from the people about the cupboard that you're about to buy so it's basically a little companion app that you take with you when you go to say ikea or something like that and you just quickly post it up yay or nay Maybe you've got your own profile <gasps> within the app. You can actually have your living room photographed. So whatever piece of furniture you're about to buy, you've got the empty space for it. You take photos of things as you go and people say, this will suit your place and this will not. And you start to get like a, a bit of a gauge from the people. Um, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. And especially like coming from a guy, I don't, I don't know anything about like design or how things should uh -huh. look. I'm from Soviet. You like, and both. Oh. Everything's equal. <laughs> like everything's the same color, black and white. <laughs> So coming to this lovely, amazing country, like that, I would definitely benefit from it as well. Um, and, and, and people who are alone and don't have a partner to discuss things and, and go to Ikea. I don't know if you've been to Ikea in Richmond, but it's huge. Oh, yeah. There's so much things there and you actually get lost there. I don't even know yeah. where the exits are or like they do it intentionally as well, I reckon. Every time I go there, I expect to run into David Bowie, like the, the Goblin <laughs> King from the Labyrinth. I'm just... It's, it's, it's crazy. And then that's the thing. You get lost in all of that and you don't know what decision you actually want to make anymore. Well, snap a photo for Rate My Cupboard and people will gladly chime in with their opinions. And people who have experience and mm -hmm. actually know what they're talking about. Can, and people obviously can troll around as well. Like just say, ah, this looks amazing. You should get that. <laughs> and it's a purple cupboard in your, in your black room or whatever. This, is, this idea has really improved since you led with Rate My Cupboard. I did not have high hopes for it at all, but it's actually quite good. <laughs> No, I like it as well. That's good. It's, yeah. Gorgeous. Well, uh, you know, can you, anyone that's listening, can you rate, rate my cupboard? What do you reckon? Out of one to five, is this a, is this a thinker or a stinker? Uh, if you've got any other ideas for your, for this five word frenzy today, we'd love to hear them. Um, and uh, I should have said this before, after I announced the words, I should probably like pause for a second and let the audience think. I, like we, we did our own thinking. But next time you're listening to Five Word Frenzy, feel free to hit pause, come up with your own ideas before we come up with something as crazy ingenious as Rate My Cupboard or talking about uh, edge protectors as well for toddlers. But, um, but yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, on today's Five Word Frenzy, on anything in today's episode. Uh, but now we're coming sort of to the tail end now. It's um, time to wrap up. Aiden, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. So, um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, um, it'll be great to have you on in future as well. But before we go, do you have any sort of parting thoughts? Anything you'd like to say to our listeners out there? Uh, just go for it. Um, I was saying before to Mash on the break, we, you know, it's a very relatable podcast. You know, groups of friends constantly sit around, brainstorm really cool ideas and 
know, not that many people really go for it. And I think it's something that's really important to have, especially if you, if you have the drive and ambition and a really good idea. So just go for it. That's it. I guess we are kind of recycling ideas then here as well. Yeah. I don't know why I keep going back to the environment thing, yeah. but yeah, I think you got to me slowly with that yeah. as well. Well, that might prompt actually, because uh, we like to do this. What's, what's one action that our listeners can start in the coming week um, to kind of help improve their lives in a direction that you'd want to see them improve? And now that they're getting used to the rejection as well, hopefully yeah. they've been yeah. doing exercise. <laughs> well, I'm all for trying new things. I think, and it's one thing I'm trying to do as well, is to cook uh, a new dish every week. And it doesn't always have to be that frequent. It could be every fortnight or just something. Depends strange. how often you cook. So yeah, my... my partner Stace and I we have a thing on a Sunday night where we'll just you know look at a random recipe and just try make it and I remember being younger my dad used to try try to do something similar and my brother and I were quite merciless we were <laughs> food poisoning <laughs> you know, and uh you know I, I feel bad but you know I appreciated the effort I think now at least you'll know what you do and don't like and Hopefully, later down the track, it'll benefit you more. I like that idea. And it also kind of enables you to start trying new things more as well. And mm -hmm. even if it is with a small step as try a new dish or just cook up a new dish. And how easy it is to now look up recipes and go to Coles and just it gives you a list of things exactly what to buy. So it's yeah. not even that hard. It's yeah. just a yeah. step you got to well, do. I mean, things like from other cultures and, you know, there's a lot of uh, fusion now going on between, you know, Asian or Middle Eastern culture I'll, I'll and give you, dishes. Yeah. It's impressive. I'll give you a challenge. Look up an Estonian or a Russian dish and, and, and try to do that and, and see. <laughs> and let us know what you think. Let me know what you think as well. Hit us up on millionpodcast.com as well, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that's thank you, Aiden. That's a really cool challenge. I'm actually going to go home and try and cook something tonight. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, which should be now everyone, mum, uh, what I would love for you to do is to cook something this week. Challenge yourself to cook a completely new dish, preferably Estonian or Russian cuisine. Absolutely. It's not just potatoes. I've tried some of the stuff Thomas has made. It's been pretty awesome. Um, take a photo of whatever you cook and put it up on Instagram with the hashtag million dollar menu. Uh, we're going to be collating all of these. We're going to be putting the best ones up on our, well, we're going to put all of them up on our website. So go and check them out at millionpodcast.com. Once again, the million dollar menu challenge. So go out, cook something new. And um, hashtag it on Instagram, on Facebook, tag Million Dollar Podcast in any of your posts as well. And uh, we'll be posting them up on our website. So uh, once again, Aiden, thank you so much for joining us. Thomas, it's been a pleasure as always. Oh, it was so much fun today. And I think we actually came up with some amazing ideas as well. And I really want to see them starting to happen as well. I can't wait. And um, thanks as always to Harley, our producer, who's been here in the studio with us, uh, making sure that we sound as beautiful and handsome and lovely and smart as we I think we do. Uh, thank you so much to everyone. And we look forward to uh, joining you again next week on Million Dollar Podcast. Have fun making those dishes. Thanks for listening to Million Dollar Podcast. If you enjoy listening to this show and you think your friends would love it too, consider sharing the show with your social network by adding at Million Dollar Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. We post exclusive content to those pages, including our own take on each week's action challenge. We would love to see you post your own as well. Thank you to all the people who have supported us by listening and providing feedback. We hope you've begun to notice subtle changes based on your advice. And we love hearing how we can improve each episode. So please keep that feedback coming. We'll be back again next Million Dollar Monday with some new ways to become a millionaire. But until then, have those ideas. <laughs>